uh, to Grace Hill today. Uh, happy 2022. Uh, let's hope that uh, that's just the year and not the uh, pronounce, pronunciation for 2022. Uh, we we, we want to just move on past that and embrace this new year and all the things that we believe God's going to do. I want to welcome you. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor here. If you're tuning in online, we've got a lot of our folks that are here at Grace Hill who are at home today, and uh, I just want to welcome you. You are as much a part of our church family today as you ever are, and so I want to welcome you. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, it's an honor to have you here with us today. Uh, today's going to be a little bit different in that our uh, kids, we're not having Grace Hill kids today, so they're here in the service, and a lot of times when we do that, we want to pause and actually really include them into the life of our service. So today uh, we are going to watch in just a second uh, the kids teaching video as they start a new series today for their month. And so if you'll turn your attention to the screen, you might remember Carl. Uh, Carl's going to be on the screen teaching us today. So let's check this video out. Chicken nuggets, me Carl. Welcome to Grow TV. Welcome to Grow with our friends, talk about Jesus, and go over everything the Bible has to offer. Now once again, welcome to TV. Hi there, kids. You will not believe the day I have. Today, I get to go to one of my favorite places in the world. Can you guess where? Nope, not the arcade in the alley of the abandoned Walmart. Nope, not the celebrity house, the world-renowned SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm going to the museum. It's gonna be great. Imagine all the things I get to see today. Dinosaur bones, ancient artifacts, a rat the size of a bone ball. <laughs> it's a rat the size of a bone ball. Let's get inside. Hmm, it's not opening. Maybe it's jammed. What should I do? Oh look, there's a keypad. Maybe I can just enter my phone number. Look at there, it worked. Let's get inside. Wow, look at this. Isn't this incredible? Where should I go first? Um, what is that? I should probably call somebody. Hey, Carl! Andy, I need your help. I'm in the museum and the alarm's going off. You're at the museum? Yes, I need your help. The alarm is going off. Yes, now I need your help. The museum. Aren't they closed today? Yes, the museum. Quit asking questions and help me. All right, one sec. I think I have a buddy that works there. Let me give him a call. I'll, I'll give you a call right back, okay? Oh, no, this is so bad. What's going to happen? Am I going to go to jail? Oh, no. They won't let me wear my sweaters in jail. It'll be so sad. It's so cold. What will Mama think? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much. No worries. Uh, now listen, Carl, I do have some bad news. All right, hit me. It looks like you might be in there for a while. What? Why? Well, first off, the museum is closed today, so I'm not even sure how you even got in, but well, my buddy who works there is out of town and he was able to turn the alarms off, but he's not gonna be able to open the doors until he gets back. When will that be? Later tonight, after dinner time. So are you saying I'm stuck in this museum all day? Yeah, I guess so, man. I wish I could help, but uh, um, stay safe and I'll talk to you later, okay? No, you can't go. I'm terrified of being here all by myself. What am I gonna do all day? What am I gonna eat? Well, let's look around. You see anything around you that looks like food? Uh, so the only thing I see around me is some honey and these bugs. <laughs> looks like you're gonna be living like John the Baptist, huh? <laughs> What are you talking about? John the Baptist, you know, cause he, you know, he, he ate the, uh, 
You don't, you don't know. Oh, oh, okay. Well, John the Baptist was a great prophet that was in the Bible, and he was famous for eating locusts and honey, which locusts is like a type of bug. Really? Well, there's no harm in trying. Mmm. Honestly, not bad. What else did John do? Well, in the book of John, which was written by the disciple John, not John the Baptist, the first chapter starts off like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Wow, was that talking about John the Baptist? Nope. When it mentioned the light, that actually meant Jesus. John the Baptist was sent by God before Jesus to prepare other people. Prepare them? Prepare them for what? Well, to prepare them to see God. What? These people back then are going to see God? They were. How? How is it possible to see God? Well, like those verses say, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Wait, so the Word means Jesus? Yep. So that means Jesus is God. Yep, and that's what I mean when I say we can see God through Jesus. How cool is that? So it was only people that saw Jesus in person saw God through him, right? Nope, that's what makes this so amazing. We can introduce our friends, our family, everyone we know to Jesus. And through that, they can see God. Wow, this is such great news. Well, kids, you heard the great news, and it's our big idea today. On the count of three, we will shout out, we can see God through Jesus, all together, okay? One, two, three. We can see God through Jesus. Excellent job, everyone. Now, I've heard that Carl is stuck in the museum for the whole day, so make sure to come back next week so we can find out what Carl is up to. See you then. Thank you for watching and tune in next week for a new episode of TV. Hi there, little chicken nuggets. Me, Carl. What? I know that uh, several of you are um, wired to your schedule. Uh, if, you, if you're a like, schedule king or schedule queen, if it's not on your schedule, you're not doing it. I mean, you wake up thinking about it. If, if, if that is you, I want you to raise your hand. Be honest. Be honest. It's okay. It's okay. I know. I know. I'll interact with some of you guys. And it's like, hey, you're not on my schedule. I'll text you back when you can get on my schedule, you know, whatever it may be. We, uh, we all like a schedule. You know, my kids have been out of school for a few weeks, and uh, it's going to be nice for normal bedtime and a normal uh, wake-up time in the morning. The last few weeks, when we're on break, we usually just sort of let them kind of uh, stay up, you know, as late as they want, get up kind of whenever they want, which is kind of nice for a few days, but after a while, it, it starts to get a little uh, old. Uh, one of the benefits of a schedule is order. It's order. It helps keep the important things at the forefront, and it makes sure that the most vital aspects of our lives get done or get noticed. 
Well, today we are beginning a new teaching series uh, called Proclamation. And it's cool how our new teaching series we are starting actually uh, lines up perfectly with what we just heard from Carl and where the kids ministry is headed for the month of January as well. Uh, We, as we begin this new series called Proclamation, uh, much like we do in the season of Advent, we are teaching through a season in the church calendar or order. And this will help in the coming days be sure that we uh, keep the important things front and center for our church. And we just finished this season of Advent, and now in the church calendar, we move into a season of what is called Epiphany. How many of you have ever heard of a, a church calendar season called Epiphany? Okay, some of you have, some of you haven't. Just in case you don't know what Epiphany means, this is the, the kind of the big idea for the church calendar season of Epiphany. It is this, Epiphany celebrates God revealing himself to the world. That's what this season. Uh, Advent, in many ways, uh, celebrates and remembers Christ's first coming, and it, and it uh, aligns our heart to begin to think and, and long and wonder about the second Advent or the second coming. And Epiphany celebrates God revealing himself to the world. And this season will last uh, from typically January 6th is when Epiphany officially starts, but we're beginning it this Sunday, and it will last all the way up until Lent, and Lent begins 40 days before Easter Sunday. And and my prayer for this series as we take this journey for the next few weeks is that it's going to bring our our hearts and minds, the focus of our hearts and minds, uh, to the significance of Jesus' resurrection for our church and for our lives and for our world. And what I pray that will begin to happen as we take this journey together is that the Holy Spirit's gonna create a deeper burden in our hearts as followers of Jesus for these realities not to just be truth that is taught, but truth that is experienced. Experienced in our homes, experienced in our communities, experienced in and through our families and our work and and, and in and through our church. God has revealed himself to the world, and that is good news. No matter who you are, that is good news. And in this season, we are going to ponder that. We are going to wrestle at times with the implications of that, and we are going to look at how this informs our lives and how it shapes our heart. And so today we begin this journey of epiphany in the book of Ephesians, and I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word, if you will. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 today, and I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through verse 12. We're not going to cover all of this today, but it sets the context for us really well. Paul writes this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming you have heard the administration, about the administration of God's grace that he gave me for you, the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I, briefly have, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations, that is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me the least of all the saints to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ 
and to shed light for all about the administration or the responsibility is another way that could be translated of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heaven. This is according to the eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and confident access through him in faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated this morning. This last week, um, my family and I, we, we, we were highly anticipating the release of the new Spider-Man movie, and we, we found some time Tuesday afternoon to go, and so we all loaded up, we, um, we all went to the movie theater, we were all high in expectations, because uh, especially my youngest son, my son Cody, uh, he's a massive Spider-Man fan, so we're all very, very familiar with all the movies, uh, going all the way back to uh, the, kind of some of the original ones back in the 2000s. Um, now, there's no spoiler here. So this is a spoiler free zone. So if you're anticipating the movie and you've not seen it, I'm not going to give it away, but I will say this, there is a moment in the movie. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. There is a moment in the movie that throughout the theater that we were sitting in was a collective moment that went through everyone's mind in the theater. And that moment was this, I did not see that coming. And this happens in movies and in TV shows all the time, doesn't it? It's your favorite show, no matter what it is, or, or it's your favorite movie. And a lot of times there's a big plot twist or there's a moment that comes and you sit back and you go, I, I didn't see that coming. Truth be told, even movies and TV shows can give us a, a sense of control in our lives because if those plot twists make us uncomfortable, we can always turn the channel or walk out of the theater. But life so often, and the, the plan and the mystery of God, uh, we, we don't get to just change the channel or walk out of the movie theater. And from the very beginning of time, there has been a plan by God, a plan that was revealed in part in the earliest portions of our scriptures a plan that was waited for, a plan that has been longed for, a plan that as we just saw over this last month was revealed by the delivery of a baby born in Bethlehem. This was the plan, that from the beginning, um, this plan was to put the power of God on display, to bring those back, to rescue those who were far away from God, to give aspects of the kingdom of God here on earth through God's people and through the church, and to reconcile enemies, strangers, foreigners to one another. And this sounds great, but for the Jews and the Gentiles of the early church, most of this plan was kind of like the theater we set in on Tuesday. They did not see this plan coming. You see, from the earliest parts of Scripture, we know this, that God planned to bless the whole world. And Ephesians 3, 1 through 12, uh, it kind of goes through Paul's understanding as he's recounting this role that he played in the fulfillment of God's plan and what, in fact, this plan 
was. Now, it's important to understand before we dig into the text today that just, just a snapshot of Ephesians. Ephesians was written to a group of believers to instruct them in their unique cultural reality that they found themselves in as they were trying to pursue and follow Jesus. And many of these new followers of Jesus in this new way, this, this new church, they came from a myriad of backgrounds. Some of them were folk Judaism, some of them were practices in, the, in, the, in different cults, uh, as well as magic and uh, uh, astrological practices. I mean, they, they, there was a myriad of gods to worship and religions to embrace. And Paul, through his letter, is hoping to ground them in the new realities of living in the way of Jesus. And he also, in the course of this letter, spends a significant time, as we're going to look a little bit today, dealing with the unity of the church in a setting, this is important, where there has been deep Jewish and Gentile hostilities that no doubt, as a result, carried into this new Christian community. So what is the plan that Paul is referring to here, that these early followers of Jesus, these Jews, these Gentiles might not have seen coming? Well, Ephesians 3, verses 4 through 6 says it this way. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And this is where um, the music changes. This is where the, the lighting scene has a little bit different uh, change to the, to the screen. This is where the the shot begins to zoom in. Drum roll, please. This is the plan. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's what Paul's leading up to. That's what Paul is, is aiming towards. And so this this plan that's been revealed, this this proclamation includes a few things. And we're going to look at three that Paul mentions right here in this verse today. The first one is this, a new inheritance, a new family, and a new promise. A new inheritance, a new family, and a new promise. Let's first look at the, the, the new inheritance that he mentions here. This revealing of this mystery of King Jesus gave a new inheritance to humanity. This isn't an inheritance that is merit-based. This isn't an inheritance that is simply given because of, this is an inheritance that is simply given due and because of the love of the Father. You think about the story of the prodigal son. Here's a, here's a young guy. He, he wants to go live his life the way that he wants to go live his life. No, no barriers, wants to have all the freedom of the world. And what he finds out is, is that all the freedom of the world just means bondage. That he was actually free back in the father's home. And so he, he devises a plan after he's spent all that the gospel writer Luke says, he spent all that he had. He goes back to the father and he says, if I can just be a a servant in your house, not even a member of the family, not even restored back into your home with your name, if I can just be a servant in your home. And what does the father do? He clothes him with dignity. He feeds him with the finest food and restores him into the family again. It is in essence, he brings him back into this inheritance. And Paul is pointing our attention, attention to this. 
that we are co-heirs now, that we are a part of God's, God's inheritance that he has given humanity of those who are, have been reconciled to him. Imagine it this way. Imagine hearing that a family down the street that, that maybe you know, you've, you've heard about them, you've had some interaction with them, but a, a family, an unassuming family, got a knock on the door one day from a lawyer. And the lawyer said to this family down the street, uh, are you Mr. and Miss Jones? And they said, yes, we are. And they said, we want you to know that you have a relative who has left you a significant inheritance. Now, this family would not have done anything to earn it other than be part of the family. Maybe the lawyer would say, we've discovered that you are actually a part of the family, and so we have come to give you your portion of the inheritance. In effect, communicating, not because of anything that you've done, but because you're a part of a co-heir of this inheritance. You have this coming to you now. And Paul writes about this in Romans 4, the spiritual inheritance, this idea. He says this, Romans 4 says, for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. You and I are co-heirs of the, this amazing promise of God. You and I are co-heirs of the, the mystery that has been given to humanity in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You and I are co-heirs, as we're gonna look in just a moment, to the promises that have been given by God. We have an inheritance that will never rot it will never perish. It will never, like that young prodigal son, it will never run out because it rests in God the Father. But not only do we receive an inheritance that this mystery, this proclamation of, of who Jesus is, uh, not only did it, did it bring an inheritance, but it brought a new family. N.T. Wright says this, the secret plan is that God always intended to bring Gentiles, the non-Jewish peoples of the world, into fellowship with himself on equal terms with his ancient people, that Jews. And the good news, the gospel, is that God has now accomplished this through Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, who is also the world's true Lord. Now, Paul is telling these followers of Jesus in this church that he's writing to, yes, you have an inheritance, but Paul wants to make sure that these, this group of people and that you and I today understand this, that nobody are, nobody are second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. And not only that, not only are you not second-class citizens, but you are also not alone. You have been brought into the family. A new family has been given to you, a family that God the Father has created. Now, again, we read this in 2022 now, and for many of us, we, we, we think, okay, well, that sounds nice. Jews, Gentiles, coming together, cool. 
But to really understand the weight of of this context, of of the message that Paul was delivering here, we need to have just a brief history lesson to make sure everybody's on the same page. By and large, the the Jews and Gentiles were uh, essentially at odds with one another. And it was for a few reasons. One is is that the Jews were uh, what most uh, people would have considered, uh, in theory, they were monotheistic, meaning they believed in one God and they worshiped one God. Now, if you know the history of uh, the Jewish people and Israel all through the Old Testament, there was kind of an on-again, off-again relationship. They kind of ghosted God a few times, you know, and said, hey, we're going to give ourselves to some other gods. And God brought them back. And then they would ghost themselves to God again, and God would bring them back. But they were, in essence, a people that were centered around this monotheism, this one God, whereas Gentiles would have been considered polytheistic, meaning they had many gods. Anything for the Gentiles could be a god. The cult, the stars, they had uh, all of the Greek mythology that went along with it. They were a people who worshipped anything and everything that they thought might give them a better life. Sound a little familiar, maybe. Jews were considered to be God's people. And this goes back to the Old Testament, the covenant with Abraham. You can go back and read that in Genesis, in the early part of Genesis. And one of the ways that the Jews were set apart in this covenant was through the act of circumcision. Now, if you're a kid in the room and you don't know what circumcision is, just ask mom and dad over the lunch table today. They'll be more than happy to talk about it. But every male on the eighth day after their birth that was a Jew was to be circumcised. And this was simply a sign of distinction between the Jewish people and other people. This was a sign of distinction that this group of people was in covenant with God and this other group of people was not. Now, if you wanted to convert to Judaism, no problem. There was just this one thing that needed to be done. If you were a male, you had to be circumcised. And so the the barrier even to convert to monotheism in this day and become a Jew and, and practice the law and go to the temple was significant. Jews kept the law that was found in the Torah. Gentiles did not. And as a result, the Jewish people viewed themselves as clean and the Gentile people unclean. And you can imagine through the years there arose ethnic pride. There arose ethnic prejudice. And many Jews just outright despised anyone that was considered a Gentile. And to be honest, the same was true for the Gentiles back towards the Jewish community. There was racism and classism to an extreme. Two groups of people that would have never been in community with each other, two groups of people that would have never shared a church pew together, and two groups of people that thought in many ways the worst of each other. And Paul says, because of Christ Jesus, you now have an inheritance and a new family. That is, that is a mystery in scripture. And we live in similar times, don't we? It might not be in some cases and in some ways as outright, but we're divided. Our society is divided politically, 
racially, economically, and a whole host of other things. And even though we may not say this out loud, there are people in our community that for some of us, we wouldn't want to share a church pew with either. People that look different, have a different culture. Maybe they vote different. They approach life differently. Even churches in our community look this way, even though they may not say it out loud, they can look this way. I mean, we go to church for the most part with people like us, who look like us and have similar life stages as us and places of life that we do. We do life with people, by and large, who look like us. But we've talked about this before. One of the realities, one of the, the demonstrations, one of the, the, the evidences of the kingdom of God that is visible in a community of faith is a sense of belonging, a belonging for all people, all races, all classes, not just to follow Jesus, not to just take a mission trip and, and, and build a thing and, and, and talk about Jesus a little bit and then come back to our homogenous communities where we eat, work, live, and play, but to actually live life with people from different backgrounds, from different ethnicities. And pastor and author Derwin Gray writes that this is exactly what eternity will look like. Revelation talks about every tribe, every nation, every tongue worshiping around the throne. And, and I just want to say, shouldn't our churches look like that now? As followers of Jesus, shouldn't our, our dinner tables look like that now? I, I want to say as a pastor, I am, I am becoming gripped by this of what I see in Scripture in my life. You know, we say as a church, hey, we're for the city. We say as a church, we want to be good neighbors. We say as a church, we want to love our community the way Jesus would want us to love our community. Then our church needs to reflect our community. We don't need to just experience diversity when we go into places and then come back here. But in the kingdom of God, we should be going after we should be investing in lives, inviting people to our table and being invited to other people's table who don't look like us, who don't think like us. Learn from them. Take a posture of humility and say, tell me about your life. Tell me what following Jesus is like for you. I want to learn from you. I want to be in life with you, in relationship, in community with you. And we're going to specifically pray about this at the end of our service today, but I just pray that God would grip our hearts as uncomfortable as it may feel sometimes to talk about this. I pray that God would grip our hearts to love our community more than we currently do now. And part of that love might just be that we would begin to reflect this community, this new family of God of all people, of all backgrounds, of all colors, to our community and our world. And it would begin with us. It would begin with the Holy Spirit burdening our hearts and gripping our hearts to not just experience the reality of the kingdom of God, of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness, of love, 
of relationships, of a new family, of an inheritance, but the fullness of that reality. What if our church looked like a little bit of heaven? What if your dinner table looked like a little bit of heaven? What if our church sounded like a little bit of heaven would sound? And I pray that God would grip our hearts. He writes, Paul writes this in Galatians, again, a very divided, uh, 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 confused group of people. He says this, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. This is your new identity. And he says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. That's race. Slave nor free. That's class. There's neither male nor female. That's gender. There's no disparities in these things. Why? Because we are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We have been given this proclamation of the coming of Jesus Christ. We've been given an inheritance. We've been given a new family. And lastly, we've been given a new promise. I don't want to spend much time here, but Paul writes this in, back in Ephesians 3, 6. He says, the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I, you know, if there, was, if there was a verse to just meditate on for a few days, and, and specifically a line of just a, a few words to meditate on, think about the idea of being partners in the promise in Christ Jesus and through the gospel. That is a powerful reality for our lives. That is a reality that transcends so much of what burdens our hearts and confuses our world. That we have been made, not just given an inheritance and not just been born into a new family, but we have been made partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel or through the good news. Three life-changing phrases. And all of these promises are available to all of humanity in Christ Jesus. And this promise is sealed, never to be taken away. And this promise isn't based on our good deeds or if you're currently or future tense doing enough for Jesus or maybe your ability to not do certain things. This promise is based, as Paul says here, in King Jesus. It is locked in the vault, safe and secure. So if there's a kind of a bottom line idea for today, I, I, just, I just want us to come around this for a moment. You see, the revealing of King Jesus creates a new people who share in a new inheritance together under a new promise. 
The revealing of King Jesus, the declaration that Jesus is here, as we saw in the video with Carl, prepare the way of the Lord. The word became flesh is what it says later on in that John 1 passage. The word became flesh and dwelt among us or took up residency or moved in the neighborhood. The revealing of King Jesus creates a new people who share a new inheritance together under a new promise. You might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't really understand all of this well. Cool. Paul talks about over and over again here that it's a mystery. It is something that's going to have to work in our hearts. It's going to have to be something we're going to have to think on and contemplate on and meditate in. But here's how I want us to apply this to our lives today. Three ways specifically. The first one is this, is I want you to embrace the grace of the gospel. Embrace the grace of the gospel. Recognize that maybe for you, you, you at once, before you came into relationship with King Jesus, at once you were far from God. But because of what Christ Jesus has accomplished, he has made it where you can now be made right with him. And he has given you a new inheritance. And he has given you a new family. And he has given you a new promise. But the second way I want to apply this to our lives today is this, is embrace the mystery. Let's wrestle with this together. We're not going to get away from this for a few weeks. So let's wrestle with this together. Let's mull it over. You know, in, in your, probably in your Bible, and certainly, uh, you know, you can find these resources online. This, this is my teaching Bible that I use here to teach from. But I've got my, you can't see this, but I'll just point it out like you could imagine you could see it. But you've got your verses, but then in each of the verses, you typically will have a, a number, I mean a letter. It'll typically, typically be lowercase. And it'll be connected to a smaller print line of references that are down here that coincide with the verse that you're currently reading. So maybe this week you take this Galatians 3 passage. I did this for a year. I was working through the gospel of Mark, and I did this for a year. Every day in my time with the Lord, I would read the next little section that I was working through, and I would take the time, maybe it was a verse or two, and I would look up in all of those references, and I would just see how what I've just read is connected all throughout Scripture. Take this passage of Scripture and begin to look up all the verses that coincide with it. Take a deep dive. Do a word study on the idea of mystery in the Scriptures and what that means. Let's, let's mull this over. Let's wrestle with this. Let's meditate it. You know, some of you have been trying to hit a golf ball straight for years, and you ain't figured it out, but you keep showing up every time the weather's nice. Do the same with Scripture. Just because it doesn't make sense today... Just because you don't fully wrap your mind around it today doesn't mean we just set it to the side and say, oh, that's for somebody else. No, we show up and we we meet with God as we read his word. And the word begins to read us in those moments. And then the third thing I want us to consider this morning is to embrace the mission of King Jesus. How, How might we imitate Paul's mission here to spread the gospel beyond normal societal boundaries of his religious community. Maybe for you specifically, it's a neighbor. 
Maybe specifically for you as a family on your kid's ball team. Maybe it's a coworker you could take to lunch sometime who you've, you've never, he's a nice person, you've just never thought about going to lunch with him. Who do you know and how can you and how can we collectively take a posture of learning from others who are different than we are and as a result, build relationships with those who are different than we are. And we can begin to see those who are different than us maybe brought into and as members of this new family that this mystery of King Jesus has created. One commentator writes it this way. Like the Ephesian church, we are also called to love the church and fulfill her mission of making Christ known to everyone. We should acknowledge and appreciate Paul's unique role in redemptive history, but we should not distance ourselves from his mission. Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're going to talk through this series about how we are Christ ambassadors. We carry this message in our lives to our communities to say, no, no, there is something better that transcends your social status. There's something better that transcends your bank account. There's something better that transcends this life. And it is this inheritance and this new family and this promise that King Jesus has given us. You know, every week here at Grace Hill, we've made a commitment to respond to the message of Jesus by remembering Jesus through taking the Lord's Supper. And then after that, we're going to respond. Um, uh, Jonathan and uh, Bethany are going to lead us in another song. But I, I want to set our hearts on this this morning by reading a passage in Isaiah 60. Prophet Isaiah writes, it says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness will cover the earth and total darkness the people's. But the Lord will shine over you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to your shining brightness. Raise your eyes and look around. They will all gather and come to you. Your sons will come from far away, and your daughters on the hips of nursing mothers. Then you will see and be radiant, and your heart will tremble and rejoice because of the riches of the sea will become yours, and the wealth of the nations will come to you. I love this. Caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and uh, Epapha, all will come from Sheba. They will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. This is the revealing, the proclamation of King Jesus. And he came. Light has come. And darkness will not and has not overcome it. And we remember that light that has come into this world by taking these, I say this often, these very humble elements, bread and juice, common to all people, common to all places. And we take them and we remember the significance through very insignificant means, but we remember the significance of Jesus, his body and his blood shed for us. I want to invite you to stand.
when we take this, this little piece of bread that symbolizes the body of Jesus and we take together a new family with a new inheritance and a new promise and we remember Christ Jesus. When we take the cup, the cup that represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us, the, the blood that has, that has covered all of our sins, all of our disparities, all of our misplaced longings and ill-fated idols. And we remember King Jesus, that he's given us a new inheritance, a new family, and a new promise. Father, we love you. And we wanna take just a moment and continue to remember you and worship you today by singing to you. We love you. Thank you for this mystery, this plan that existed for all time and was revealed in King Jesus. And thank you that this plan is for all people. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing together.
I want us to take just a moment before we leave today. You can be seated. And I want us to just, um, I want us to pray around uh, the, 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 the one aspect of the message today about the, the new family. And what I would love for us to think about is, is right now, it, maybe you can think about somebody in your life or maybe a certain type of somebody that you're connected to in some way, shape, or form. It could be a coworker, a classmate, a, a neighbor, a, 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 you know. And I, and I have this person in my mind, and I've been wrestling with this all week because I, I knew this moment was coming, but I, I have this type of person in my mind that would make it really, really hard for me. I'm just, fault me for this if you want. But I have the type of person in my mind that would make it really, really hard for me to worship with at church on Sunday. It'd make it really, really hard for me to want to invite this person to lunch, this type of person to lunch, because we just don't have a lot in common. We don't have a, we don't have a good starting place even. And I want you to think about if you have somebody, maybe I am, as Paul wrote in that Ephesians 3 passage, the least of all of these. Maybe I'm the only one in this room, and this time is only for me right now. But if you have somebody like that in your life or that you know of, man, it would just be really hard for me to have them at my dinner table. I want us to pray to that end this morning. That this reality of this proclamation of the kingdom of God, that this, in, this inheritance that we've been given, this new family we've been given and this promise that we've been given would overshadow that and would grip our hearts to want to experience that in our lives. So we just want to take a minute. We're going to come back to this several times over the next several weeks and months, and we're just going to continue to pray through this. But, but, I, but I would love for us to just pause before we leave today and just specifically pray to that. And so once again, I just want to invite you to get into a posture of prayer. And let's begin by just confessing uh, that that individual or that type of person to the Lord. Say, Lord, I, I would have a really hard time. I'd have a really hard time being in community with somebody like that.
Now, the next thing I, I want us to say back to the Lord is to confess or declare with our lips the reality that that person, that group of people, that type of individual actually carries the Imago Dei with them. They're made in the image of God. So let's just, let's just declare that. Let's just, let's just tell the Lord that. Lord, I, I know that, that this person would be hard to be in community with, in relationship with. This type of people would be difficult. I don't understand. I don't, I, don't, I don't really care to understand. But they are made in your image. They're image bearers. And then last, ask the Lord to give you the grace to see them the way that he sees them. As image bearers, as ones who may be far from him, but he sent his son to die on the cross for them, or as some that are, have become part of the new family of God. Ask the Lord to give you the spiritual eyes to see them the way that God sees them. Father, I pray that our, our lunch tables and pray that our kitchen tables. I pray that our backyard fire pits, our worship services, our communities of faith would reflect the fact that you've loved people, that you made every single human being who walks this earth that they are image bearers of you. And we as your church carry your mission. And I pray that we would see the gospel in our hearts explode around this reality. That you've given us a new family. We thank you and we love you because we are part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. As we leave today, I want to uh, leave you with a, a quick pastoral blessing. Would you guys also thank uh, Jonathan and Bethany for coming to lead us uh, this morning so well? Thank you guys so much. Such a privilege to have you guys here. Uh, Jonathan and I, we've probably known each other for 20 years almost. Yeah. And, but I don't know that we've ever, uh, Jonathan's a musician, of course, Bethany's a musician, and uh, Jonathan and I have played in a lot of the circles in the past. I don't know that we've ever even played music together before. Maybe we have. I just, I don't remember. Maybe, maybe we have. Maybe we have. But uh, memory's fading in this old man. Um, I want to read this. It's in number six. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you 
and give you peace. And as you leave today, I pray that your heart would be captivated and you would live your life in the reality of the new inheritance, the new family, and the new promise. Grace and peace to you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter. You matter.